Thanks for joining us. To keep up with the latest news and podcasts, visit www.propelchurchaz.com. Now get ready for a great message from Pastor Jason. So good to see you this morning and be together uh, worshiping the Lord. And so if you would pull out your Bibles at this time and if you would silent your phone, you can pull out your notes, your outline there. You can go to Version to get the notes digitally. And uh, so good to be in the house of God today. Coming out of this series that we were just in, Our God Is, today we're going to have a standalone message that I've titled, Why Spiritual Family? And we're launching Propel Groups this week, as you may or may not have heard or seen the email even this week. But signups today after the service, uh, we encourage everybody to find a Propel Group, a small group uh, to really connect with. And so we're going to have a sign-up time right afterwards at the back of the room, and we'll give you more instruction at the end of the message. But um, the purpose of that is really for you to check out the different groups for you to connect with the leaders, to ask questions, etc., to find out what group maybe uh, that you can attend to, your family could attend to, or etc., and, uh, and and we encourage you. You can find more than one group. You don't have to attend just one, but we want to open that up to each and every one of us. So, really, this morning, the focus of this message is why do we come together as spiritual family? Why why do we take time out of our busy schedule? Because we all live busy lives to do life together, to intentionally build relationships with each other in propel groups or in small groups. Why do we do all that? And at this point, you're probably thinking or maybe thinking, oh no, Pastor Jathan's talking about small groups. They're trying to wrap me into a small group. And uh, I don't like going to a small group because I don't like being open and like sharing with all, all, all of my stuff or all my people. And so, you know, I just want to do life by myself and I just want to attend church on Sundays and not connect to the local body. And if that's the way you feel, let me encourage you. We don't see that mindset in scripture. We, we, it's not, I don't see that to be scriptural. In fact, this morning, I want us to look at what God's word has to say. And so I want to ask you, if you feel that way, to open up your heart, to open up your thinking, allow the Lord to encourage you and speak to you this morning. Don't put up any barriers or walls or anything like that, but just be open to what God's word has to say in the context of why are we spiritual family. And the first thing that we see in scripture and God's view on this in Genesis is when God said he was about to create Eve. I want you to look with me in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, this passage is often used in weddings to refer to marriage because God was creating a helpmate for Adam. He was creating the institution of marriage between a man and a woman. And we see from this passage that God values the importance of not doing life alone. God values the importance of us not doing life alone. So whether in a marriage between a husband and wife, or as the body of Christ, the local church, God sees the value, value, he sees the importance in our life, even if we don't see the value of us coming together to do life together, as the body should. What's quiet in here? Are you guys okay? Stay with me here. I want to encourage you this morning. And the reason why is because God sees that we are better together. There's a reason that he brought us together to accomplish some things and to not do life alone, but to do it together. And so if God created us to have this fundamental need of coming together in relationship 
as spiritual family, then it's important that we understand the importance of connecting with one another. Because God desires this for our lives. And furthermore, what's amazing about this statement that God made here in Genesis chapter 2 is that he made it before Adam and Eve sinned. Meaning this, there was no disobedience to God yet. Adam was in perfect intimacy in the relationship with the Lord. There was nothing that Adam was hiding. There was, there was a fully openness. There was relationship with God. And yet God still saw the need and the value and the importance for man to not be alone. And so he created a helpmate. He created Eve, but in the context of, again, us as a body of believers, local church, it's not good for us to do life alone. And nothing has changed since that time. God's view for our our lives as believers is that I don't want you to do life alone. I don't want you to walk this journey with Jesus alone. God never intended you to do life in your own journey by yourself. He's called us to do it together. And we're all at different places in our journey with Christ, but we can walk together. We can do life together as the body of Christ. One of the reasons is this, that it's important for us to understand that God values the importance of not doing life alone is this. God created mankind in his image to be relational. He created us to be relational even if we don't feel like we are relational. In fact, Genesis 1.26, it says that God said, let us make mankind in our own image or in our own likeness. So God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit came together, had a meeting, and said, you know what? Let's make mankind in our own image, in our own likeness. Because they're in perfect relationship as the Godhead. They're in community together. And they wanted to create man to be relational as God is. Relational. God is in community. Think about that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they always do stuff in unity and harmony in perfect relationship with each other. And God wanted us to experience what he knows was what is best for our life. Not to be alone, but to do life together in community. And so the creator of our lives created the need within us and he calls us to do life together as the body of Christ. As I already mentioned, God never intended us as believers to walk this life alone. And I understand that sometimes we may have been hurt by the body of Christ. We may have been hurt by other believers. And it can be hard to be open again and to be vulnerable with other believers. And I'm sorry for those hurts. That was never God's intention for you to be hurt in that way. But man is imperfect. And sometimes man doesn't get it always right. They don't do the right things at the right time in the right moments. And we have to learn to be able to forgive and we have to get back up and say, God, I need to be connected to your body. I need to be doing life together. And I know that you're going to bring forgiveness because I choose to forgive that person. And I understand that sometimes people are shy and it's hard to open up and we just want to keep in our corner and, and, and not have to open up. But at the core of who God created us to be, He created us to be relational because that's who he is. And he wanted humanity, he wanted mankind to experience the benefit of not doing life alone. And so for the health of our spiritual journey with Christ, we must understand this fact that to isolate ourselves, it goes against the nature of God. 
When we isolate ourselves from the body of Christ, when we allow the enemy to isolate us from the body of Christ, we are going against the nature of God. When we isolate ourselves from the local church, when we keep our distance and not submit ourselves to connecting with the body through relationship, we go against the very nature of God and who he is and who he created us to be. And so the nature of God, as we know, is relational because he's all about relationship. Again, as I mentioned, as the Godhead, he operates as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit together in relationship. God the Father had a plan. He loved the world so much that he sent his one and only Son. And Jesus, as the Son, willingly submitted his will to the Father's plan out of relationship, out of love for humanity himself. And then the Holy Spirit was sent in to be deposited on the inside of us so that we could not only be forgiven of our sins, but that we could experience the freedom of Christ in our lives and to become more like Jesus every single day. Why? Because God operates out of that relationship with each other. And so, at the core of who God is, he is about and operates in and through relationship. And when we isolate ourselves, when we say we don't want to connect with the body, we don't want to connect with the local church, or we don't want to get plugged into the life of the church through a propel group, or we're not only communicating to God and others that we want to do life on our own, but we're also communicating that God... Our way is better. We don't need your spiritual family, is what we're communicating with our actions. And we go against the nature of God when we do that and who he is when it comes to relationships within the spiritual family. Look with me, if you will, at 1 John chapter 4, verses 11 and 12 and verse 16 as well. It says, Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. And so we know in verse 16, and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is so simple, but so deep. And it's a fresh revelation to our lives when it comes to the context of spiritual family. God is love. This is who he is. It's his nature. It's his character. And he does everything out of love, whether we see him that way or not. That's the truth of who he is. And when it refers to God here, it's referring again to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. It's referring to the community that he is in as the Godhead or the Trinity. And out of the Trinity, God has shown his love to us through Jesus. And even though we haven't seen God, when when we choose to love God, when we choose to love one another, God lives in us. God resides in that because he is love. He does everything out of relationship. That's his focus, and it's unconditional love. And so we live in the love, and we live in God, and he lives in us when we choose to love others. And when we choose to love the local church, when we choose to love the body of Christ, and we come together, we're opening up our hearts and lives to who God is. We're saying, God, I know this is your plan. You brought this body, this local church together, and I choose to get connected more than just attending on a Sunday. God, I choose to do life together, to build relationships, to grow together. And we become more like Jesus when we do life together, including loving each other in the context of propel groups. And this is the reason why, because spiritual family in a small group setting creates community. Propel groups create community. And when we come together in the small groups, we create the biblical community. The love of God is not only at the center 
of it, but we honor Jesus when we do life together in small groups. We honor the Lord with our lives when we come together in small groups. We're not trying to isolate ourselves, but rather we worship God when we come and join a propel group and to get involved in the life of the body. Why? Because God is relational. It's who he is. He's created us to be relational and to not do life alone. Dr. Gilbert Bleskian, who is a professor, he's a theologian, and he was co-founder of Willow Creek Church, says this about community in the local church through small groups. He says, community is deeply grounded in the nature of God. It flows from who God is. Because he is community, he creates community. It is his gift of himself to humans. Therefore, the making of community may not be regarded as an optional decision for Christians. It's a compelling and irrevocable necessity, a binding divine mandate for all believers at all times. In other words, what he's saying is that God has called us to be in community with one another because it's a part of his nature. And that's who God has designed his body to operate and to be in, in and through his love, because that's where he resides, in that community. And so God didn't call us to be lone rangers. He called us to be the body of Christ where everyone has a place. Everyone, each of you have a place and a part in the body of Christ. And you have a place through your relationship with Christ. In Acts chapter 2, we see what community was like as the church began to explode with growth after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. And it says in Acts 2, 42 through 47, it says, they, meaning the believers or or the disciples, the, the very New Testament church devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need, and every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see here that the New Testament church met in the temple courts as well as in homes, even back then. And when they got together, there was teaching, there was fellowship, there was communion, there was prayer, there was miracles, there there was extreme generosity, and there was worship when they came together. This type of community brought unity and it spread like wildfire because many were being saved and many were being added to the body of Christ and they got plugged into the life of these house churches. They got plugged in. So they weren't isolated. They weren't trying to walk and believe their faith out on their own. In their own strength and ability. But they had a body that came around and supported each other. The fact is that every one of us needs community. In our life. And this is why. Because it brings belonging and connection. Being involved in a propel group will bring belonging and connection. It helps us feel like we're connected to the body of Christ. To the family of God. It feels like we belong to the greater work of God and what he's doing here in the local church. We make and build relationships which keep us connected to the Lord and body. People are there to walk with us. That's right. So if they don't see you show up at church for a couple weeks, they're going to call you. Say, where you been? We, we miss you. We haven't been at, at, our, at our propel group. What's going on in your life? We need that. We, we need that belonging and connection to the body. And we see this clearly in Acts 2 that we just read, but also in Romans 12.10 where Paul tells us, he says, be devoted to one another in love. 
and to honor one another above yourselves. That's our responsibility to live and do life together in devotion to one another. The second thing community brings is support. When it comes to our journey with Christ, we all need support. That's right. We all need it. We need encouragement. We need prayer support. Sometimes we have physical needs that can be met through our community and propel groups. We need support to grow in the word and to understand it and apply it to our lives. And we need the fellowship that the groups brings to our relationship with the Lord. Acts 2 communicates this as well that we just read, but also in Romans 12, 13, Paul reminds us to share with the Lord's people who are in need and to practice hospitality. We're supposed to live with that, to share and to practice hospitality. God desires us to help one another when, when in need. Now, it doesn't mean this. It doesn't mean that we should rely on our propel groups to meet all of our physical and financial needs. Right? I mean, we shouldn't get in that habit of, okay, here's all my needs, group. I'm bringing all my bills in this week, and I want you to be able to take care. That's not what this is saying. This is saying when, when, when we have a need, we should be able to go to our group, and they're going to rally around us. They're going to stand with us. They're going to pray, and then we're going to see if we can help meet part of that need because that's who God is. The third thing is it brings spiritual growth. When we get connected to a group. Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, we sharpen one another. Amen. We make each other better when we're doing life together. That's right. When there's unity in community, we sharpen others. And at the same time, they're sharpening us. That's right. They're making us better. It's hard to be sharpened when you're doing life alone. That's right. And in this sharpening, we will see the spiritual growth. In fact, I'll, let me tell you this. Our greatest spiritual growth will happen outside of these four walls in a propel group where the body is in community with one another and everyone is being sharpened. Now, obviously, Sundays are important for us as a a whole. God is speaking to us as as a body, as a corporate body of believers to encourage us, to inspire us. He wants to do works in our lives. He will save people. He will heal people in the context. He will set people free and do miracles in their lives, all of that. But that's to help us live the life outside of the four walls. And when we come together as the body of Christ in propel groups and small groups, we will grow spiritually to a greater level than we will just um, coming on Sundays. We need that because iron sharpens iron. The next thing is that it brings spiritual protection. Amen. Our propel groups are a place of spiritual protection. There's strength in numbers, right? Yes. We understand that concept. Yep. Animals get that concept when it comes to hunting other prey, right? I mean, it, it, they get it. But why is it that sometimes even as humans, as the body of Christ, we tend to say, well, I'm going to do life on my own. No, you need to be with the pack. There's strength and there's spiritual protection in the pack. And when the enemy tries to come against us, we can get a hold of our group to stand with us and rally around us and to pray. Because we overcome through the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony that we just sang. That's scripture. And 1 John 3.16 says, we know what love is because Jesus laid down his life for us. And then it continues in that verse to say, we should lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. We are called to stand together as the body of Christ. To be there, to lay down our lives for one another. That's the type of unity and strength that God is calling us to as the body of Christ. To stand together in times of spiritual attack or need. The Lord doesn't want anyone to fend for themselves against the enemy. 
And so we must stand together so we don't isolate and leave ourselves exposed Amen. for the enemy to mess with us and try to steal us away from our relationship with God. Amen, that's good. It's our responsibility individually and corporately as the body of Christ to be in community with one another for spiritual protection. Yep. Yep. We each have a responsibility to do that. Right. And we can't force you as much as I want that for you. I can't force you to do that. But you have to come to the place to say, okay, God, this is your word and your ways you're higher, are higher than my ways. Your plans are far greater than my plans. Amen. And not only do we need community, but propel groups are biblical. That's right. yeah. It's not that, that, that just we just want to fill our time with adding some groups. They're biblical. We already read in Acts 2 where we see what community was like and should be like within our propel groups. But I want to share some other reasons with you as to why small groups are biblical. The first is this. They reflect God's nature. Again, we just talked about that God's nature is relational. And he's in community as the Godhead. He wants to be community in community with us. And so... In 1 John 4, 16, it says, God is love again. And whoever lives in that love lives in God and God in them. And so he's calling us to live in who he is as having a love for him and a love for the body and coming together and allowing his love to be made complete within us as the local church, even in the context of small groups. And when we come together in love to do life together, we reflect the very nature of God. Secondly, the church is the family of God. In Luke 8, 21, when people mentioned to Jesus about his mother and brothers, and he said, hey, Jesus, here comes your mother and brothers. And Jesus' response was saying that my mother and brothers are everyone who hears the word of God and puts it into practice. Jesus was not talking about his literal physical family, but his spiritual family, the family of God. He was saying everyone who calls themselves a part of the family of God is the one who will put the word, once they hear it, into practice. We are the family of God, right? We, we, we belong to the family of God. We know that. But if we know that, then we have to put it into practice. We have to come together. We, we grow together. We're called to do life together, to grow in the Lord with each other through doing life because we're the family of God according to scripture. We see and also know that Jesus ministered in homes. In the four gospels, Jesus gathered, gathered with people in homes and he ministered to them in their home. To name just a few, he went to Zacchaeus' home. He went to Martha and Mary's home. He was invited to a Pharisee's house. And even at the Last Supper, Jesus spent time with his disciples where he ministered to them by washing their feet. And he spoke to them about what was to come, what was going to happen next. And they didn't get it all in that moment, but he encouraged them. He ministered to them out of love. And Jesus also then, we see earlier, he had sent his disciples out to minister. And they went from house to house. And then we know in Acts that ministry happened even in homes. And so it's biblical where ministry can happen in a home. It can happen at Starbucks. It can happen in a restaurant. It can happen here. Ministry can happen anywhere. But it is biblical that we meet together outside of the four walls. Another thing is this. Another benefit is relational evangelism happens when we come together 
in Propel Groups. Acts 5.42 says the apostles met daily in the temple courts and from house to house, and they would teach and preach the good news about Jesus. And people were being added. Propel Groups are a great place to invite those outside the church, including those that may not know the Lord. It's a great entry point to bring your relationship or to bring your friendship or your neighbors or whomever to say, hey, I want you to come with me. We, we get together at this group at our house or at this house and it's a fun time. We have some fellowship. We're encouraging each other. Just come, come check it out. Come be a part. That's a great way to open up people to the gospel of Jesus, to love of God and what he wants to do in and through their hearts and lives. And so evangelism takes place. And it should happen in the context of small groups. Another thing is leadership development takes place within the context of groups. Jesus said in Matthew 28, 19, and 20 as part of the Great Commission that it's every believer's responsibility to go and make disciples. It's all of our responsibility. We are held accountable one day when we stand before the Lord and say, what did you do with my message? We're all gonna give an account and an answer. And so in the context of Propel Groups, leadership development happens when we come together. Now, not only do the group leaders continue to grow in their leadership and facilitating the group and leading the group to where God is wanting to take that group, but also new leaders emerge within the group. And people are given an opportunity to lead a group on their own and to facilitate a group. Why? Because we all should grow in our leadership skills and abilities in serving within the local church. And so it's a place for us to grow as leaders within that group when we get together. Along with this, we grow as disciples of Christ. Again, in Matthew 28, 19, 20, it says, we grow as a follower of Christ in small groups. We're called to disciple people. Discipleship happens in the context of relationship when we come together in groups. And we grow as a disciple of Jesus when we learn through Bible studies and we, and we learn from what others are sharing and what God is showing them and what he's done in their lives. And we're able to, in turn to share back and say, this is what God has done in me or this is what he's speaking to me currently and this is what he's sharing out of the word to me. We all grow together in that context when we come together and we grow as a disciple of Christ, as a follower of Jesus, we grow spiritually. And with all these other reasons, it's a place to discover and use spiritual gifts. 1 Peter 4, 8 through 11 says, Above all, love each other deeply, because love covers a multitude of sins. And it says to offer, Peter says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. And each of us should use our spiritual gifts, he says, to serve one another. Within all of us, there is a desire to understand our place in the body of Christ. And Paul talks about this in 1 Corinthians 12 where he says, we each are a part of the body of Christ and we each have a role or a function to play. And when one person is not functioning in their role that God has called them to or gifted them in, then the whole body suffers. We miss out on the whole and what God wants to accomplish if we are not functioning together individually and corporately as the body of Christ. And so one of the best ways to discover and use our spiritual gifts are in a propel group because it's a safe way to learn and to grow in that environment. That's right. And when we understand our spiritual gift, we can better understand our role in the body of Christ yeah. once we understand how God has gifted us. And I want to encourage you, we just started today our four-week class next, which helps you get 
acclimated and plugged into the life of Propel if you've not been through it, but you also get to discover some of your spiritual gifts if you don't know what they are, even how maybe some of your spiritual gifts have grown or changed. And so I encourage you, you can, it's not too late, you can still get plugged in. Come next Sunday, 8.30 a.m. in the library right here at Pima Butte. You can sign up at the back information table or online at the website. But that's a great place to get you going and discovering your spiritual gifts and then getting them plugged in to a Propel group. Now, we know the gospel is continuing to spread throughout the earth today, but it all began when Jesus brought 12 men together to invest in, to teach, to train, and disciple them for ministry. And think about this. Jesus didn't need those 12 men. And if you look at their their lives, where they were coming from, they were kind of a motley crew. They were. It goes to show that God uses ordinary people. To do extraordinary things. And so, but Jesus, his plan, it was, the, it was God's plan to choose these 12 men. And to train them, to invest in them, to disciple them over the course of three years. And then send them out to change the world. And this is a crucial instruction that he gave them in John 13, 34 through 35. He says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Right. So this is what Jesus is saying to us, that if, if, if we can't love one another, then how will the world know that we follow Christ? That's right. It comes down to that simple thing of loving yes. Yes. one another. Notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say that the world's going to know that you're a Christian by how many churches we build. The world's not going to know that we're Christians by how many Bible studies we go through. That's right. By how many prayers we pray in a day. By how many people come to our church. The world's not going to understand and know that we're Christians by those facts right. and figures. Good. The world's going to know that we are believers, that we follow Christ by our love. Amen. Amen. And if we can't come together as the body, if we can't plug in and do life together, then we are missing out. I'm missing out on part of what Jesus has commanded us to do is to love one another. Amen. I mean, that's the, that's the end of the day. That's the test that we're all in. Amen. How do we love one another? Yep. And that's why Jesus modeled the first small group. That was part of his purpose. Before he sent them out, he modeled the first small group. He loved the 12 disciples. He taught them to love each other. And there were times where they got into arguments. He invested, he taught, he discipled, and trained them, and he did it all out of love. And sometimes it may be hard for us to be a part of a small group because maybe we're shy or quiet. Maybe we've been hurt by others like we talked about earlier. Or maybe we don't want to open up our lives in biblical community with others, and maybe we just struggle with knowing how to love people or love others. But whatever the reason is, we have to overcome these. We can't stay in that place. And we have to know the benefits of doing life together and to accomplish the goal of loving one another so that the world knows that we belong to Jesus. With this, we must must understand and not forget the enemy will fight against us for doing life together in a propel group to keep us from the spiritual benefits. Once we say, okay, I'm in. You got me. I'm going to get plugged into a propel group. You got to know the enemy now is going to fight against you from getting to that group. Even before you get to the first group, he's going to fight against you. And once you go to the first group, he's going to continue to try to pull you away. 
So we have to be all in with the Lord. We have to be full on committed to God's plan in building and doing life together. Because as much as the Lord wants to do life in a propel group, the devil will try to keep us from going and getting connected. That's right, amen. Because he doesn't want us to experience the spiritual benefits of doing life together in God's plan and purposes. We have to know that. He doesn't want us to grow closer to the Lord in our relationship with him and with each other. So he'll bring things across our path to prevent us from going. He'll bring excuses to our minds as to why we can't go and why we can't get involved. He'll say, you're too busy. You got this and this and this, and they may be all good things to get done. But the enemy will use that to manipulate you so that you don't grow closer to the Lord. That you don't grow in your relationship with the Lord. He would try to bring other things up on our schedule. Others may invite us to go do something else during that same time. And then maybe good things, maybe it's bad things, so that we end up missing the groups. Church, we have to understand, we have to guard that time. This is God's plan for our lives, is to do life together in groups. So we have to guard that time, understanding that at the end of the day, the enemy doesn't want us to grow closer to the Lord and each other, and he will fight against us. And so we have to take our stand to be faithful to what God has created us for and what he's called us to. Now, I'm not saying, and I want you to understand that if you're sick, stay home. I know your group doesn't want you to come to spread the germs. We get it. That's a part of life. Or if you're out of town on vacation, okay. Another great reason why to miss group. Or you're in the hospital or whatever, right? If you have to work that time, understandably so. But what I'm saying is we've got to commit to finding a group, finding a time, and let's be faithful within our own ability and strength, and God will be faithful to us, and let's see what God wants to do within the life of the groups when we come together. In closing, the writer of Hebrews tells us not to give up meeting together, whether on, in the context of Sundays or in, in small groups or propel groups. It says in Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, that is his body, the body of Jesus, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So in, this, in the context of this passage, Hebrews tells us that we're to draw near to God. That's our responsibility. We're to draw near to God. That means that in the context of our life, this happens in our personal time spent with God. That's when we draw near to God. We draw near to God when we come to church on Sundays. We're we're placing him first at the head of our week. We draw near to God by attending a propel group because we're committed to doing life together as the body of Christ. And we hold on to the hope unswervingly in Jesus without budging when we come together. And we must spur one another on or encourage each other through continuing to meet together. And Hebrews tells us don't give up meeting together like some are in the habit of doing Meaning, don't start strong and then fall off the wagon. We're going to finish all the way through. Scripture says, let your yes be your yes and your no be your no. But no, no middle ground. 
We need to start strong and we need to finish strong. Let's not give up meeting together as some do, but it says that we should continually meet and all the more until we see the day approaching. What day are we talking about here? It's the day of when Christ returns. So until Jesus comes back, we're supposed to continually meet together. Why? Because we need that. It's God's plan for us as the body of Christ. And so I've given you a lot of the whys in regards to why we come together in small groups as spiritual family. But the bottom line is this, church. Propel groups exist for us to engage in biblical community, which helps us to become more like Jesus in every area of our life. That's the bottom line. When we connect and engage with the body of Christ in the local church, we not only are living in biblical community, but we're growing closer to Jesus as we become more like him. And propel groups don't exist to just fill up time in our schedule. We are busy. In this day, in this culture, in this age, we don't need just one more thing within our life to go to, right? But there's a reason and a purpose, and we need to carve time out of our schedule because they're intentional to draw us closer to Jesus and to draw us closer to each other. So we have all the benefits that we just talked about in motion within our church, within the small groups, because we want to grow closer to Jesus in every single area of our life. And it brings unity along with the love of God to our lives and to our church. And so we need that. Amen. And in just a moment, we're going to give you an opportunity to sign up for groups. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?